What a great inheritance I have. What a great inheritance you have. What a privilege we have been granted to receive Jesus Christ, to buy in to the kingdom of God by saying yes when he knocked on the door of our hearts. Again, it wasn't our own goodness, but it was God's grace that reached out to us. Some of us in our deepest brokenness is where we found God. And even today in our deepest problems and the the greatest oppositions that we face, we find a help and a comfort that is beyond what we can get in the natural or from another person. God gives us daily inheritance. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. I mean, have you ever just stopped at the beginning of your day and just begin to experience the blessing? I mean, if we have a roof over our head, that is incredible. If we eat every day, and if we occasionally, or maybe more often than not, get the kind of foods that we like, what an inheritance, what a blessing when so many people go to bed hungry and so many people die every day for not having food. What about just being able to turn on the faucet and get water? What about being able to turn your key and your car starts and you can go somewhere? I think those are part of the inheritance that God has for us, but we take it for granted because there's so many other things that are going on in our life or so many other challenges that we face. In Psalms 103, 2 and 5, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, who heals all your diseases. What a declaration over our bodies and over how often we're attacked physically to declare God's word over our bodies and to contend and believe for healing. I want to go back. This is the third time I've gone back. Remember I said a few weeks ago that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. And as believers, our part of our ability to receive God's inheritance and our ability to adjust to circumstances and cooperate with the Holy Spirit is for us to have an understanding in our heart of God's higher ways and his thoughts. This is Psalms 1830. I'm hoping it's getting familiar to you. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried, and he is a shield to all those who take refuge and put their trust in him. And then I've been talking about this. As, you're, as you are a believer, and I, I'm hoping everyone here is a believer, some of you might have just started on the journey. Some of you might be entertaining the thought of asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart. But I've been telling you the last couple of weeks that God is going to test your faith. That some of you might even be sifted. Some of you might even be tried in ways that are extremely discouraging and cause you to wonder, what am I involved with? What is going on? I thought, Jesus, this love you gave me, and this responding to you, everything was going to be great. 
Well, God is working such a bigger plan than just our feelings of comfort and our mediocre Christianity. Just like Vonnie said today, God is wanting to activate a body, especially what I saw at the graduation, especially what I heard on the news yesterday. There was just a court case of, I think, of a young, young man who, in his, uh, in his address uh, to his graduating class last year, uh, was told he could not speak because he wanted to start with the name Jesus and end with the name of Jesus. Now, you can give all kinds of credit to everyone else, but if you use Jesus as someone who has helped you in your journey of growing, you know, through your high school years, you cannot say that. And it's interesting that there was such opposition to us and our faith. But I think we've got to be excited and accept that and realize the tests and trials that come against us, it's to shut us down. But we are a, are a generation that cannot be shut down. We've got to let the light out. We've got to search and find out what exactly God wants us to do and just do that. Not worry about what we can't do or what someone else is doing that we'd like to do, but just focus on who we are and what God wants us to do and do it. Then we will be ushered into heaven and we will be rewarded. I don't want to get to the other side and have a lot of things burnt up. Things that I did in my flesh or things that I did to try to compete with someone or things that I did that I think God wanted when I didn't do what God wanted me to do. When we are tested by fire, when we go on the other side and our works are tested, I want to have something that I can offer to Jesus. Amen. Psalms 105, 16 through 20. My question is, is God testing, trying, or sifting you right now? Moreover, God called for a famine upon the land of Egypt, and he cut off every source of bread. Now, it's interesting how God came Again, he, he shut down Egypt. Why? Because he was going to raise up Israel in the midst of Egypt and he was going to show Egypt that all the gods that they worshipped and everything they bowed down to were false and no had no power. And so he cut it off. But I say for us who are believers and who God is really involved with con- trying to cause us to grow up, where is he cutting you off? Where is he shutting you down? So often we get frustrated because our plans are not coming together and we're not accomplishing what we think we need to accomplish. It's interesting, I I think those are the times we need to really search and see that we're on the right track with what God has for our lives. Again, often he doesn't, his plans for us and his inheritance doesn't seem as valuable and doesn't seem as glorious as what he has. But if you follow him for any length of time, you begin to realize the awards have not been given out yet. And what, I, what we do for God has not been really shown in its value yet because our rewards are on the other side. Verse 17. Oh, it could also be, you know, being cut off. It could be a long spiritual journey or experience you've been having. Maybe a long wilderness. God sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold as a slave. He sent a man before them. Perhaps in the thing that you're facing, in the place that you're being tested, you are the very one that's been sent before other people. Your life has gone through what it's gone through because you're going to bring hope and and a revelation of Jesus Christ to someone who is going to be going through what you are currently being tested in. Even Joseph, who was sold as a servant, the person God sends go through t- goes through tests, trials, sifting, and suffering. 
Verse 18, Joseph's feet, they hurt with fetters. Hurt. Are you going through a circumstances that are hurting you? It's all part of what God's using in your life to build strength of character and strength of spirit and to cause you to depend on God like you've never depended upon him before. Hurt him with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron and his soul entered into iron until the word to his cruel brothers came true. Until the word of the Lord tried and tested him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the peoples, and let him go free. I was thinking back of, of some iron experiences I had. And as a young kid, because my parents uh, really con- committed to God, I was hauled off to church every Saturday, every Sunday. Saturdays were work days, Sundays were worship days, and then I started school. Didn't have a lot of fun times or vacation times. I didn't play a lot of sports, but I can tell you how to clean windows, how to scrub floors, how to dig ditches, how to plant plants. And oftentimes when I'm around here doing some practical things, I think of the iron that went into my soul. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasurable. But in my later years, I saw the value of the iron going into my soul. And what is that iron? It's that your soul goes through a restriction, a fencing in, a boxing in of what you want to do. And when you're going through it, you can be angry at God and you can be frustrated with God and you can just look at what other people might be enjoying and you're not. And as iron is going into your soul, if you're walking with God, like Joseph, it says when he was in prison, it says the Lord was with him. Several times it says that when it's talking about Joseph's story, it says, and the Lord was with him. And there's something about when you're going through difficult circumstances as a believer in your life experience and your soul is in pain and torment, but you know God is with you, there's something positive happening. As your soul is gaining iron, what is happening is that your will is pressing through and doing and living as it should live while your spirit is gaining strength because you know God is there and you're connecting with him. And there's this dual thing going on. You're growing strong spiritually, but your soul is being conditioned and, and reined in so that God can use it. Your will is being adjusted. Oh, yes, it might not be pleasant. Oh, yes, you might even grumble with God a little bit. But I tell you, a deep spiritual work is going on to establish you spiritually that God might use you in an incredible way. Even if it's just to stand in faith, if, and if you get to the other side, he's going to say, well done. Maybe you're one of those heroes of faith that is in the latter part of Hebrews 11 where you didn't get anything, but you waited for whatever God was going to do on the other side. But you stood and you prayed and you were faithful to God and you were faithful to everything he called you to do in this lifetime. Iron entered Joseph's soul. Iron entered into him so that he could not, he didn't have to grumble against God. And somehow, even though he didn't understand how his circumstances were working, they worked out. Uh, number six, the original Iron Man. We're going to read about him right now. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Genesis 45, 1 through 5. This was so long, you're going to have to look it up. iPhone, Bible phone, Bible, Bible. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all these who stood before him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. 
So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Iron was now meeting felt, velvet. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. His soul that had entered to iron, that he could write a, a, a sad song, a country sad song about what he'd gone through, now could be totally understood because his soul saw how the pain and the iron he went into in suffering and doing the right thing, even though he was accused and he was treated wrong, that there was a reason why God reined him in and hedged him in and fenced him in and allowed him to go through that suffering, that he might exalt him, that he might put a prophetic precedent on him, that he could interpret dreams, that as God was judging and bringing Egypt to their knees, God could show that there was a God of power and that God wants to flow and move through his people. And that that's what happened. And so in that moment, Joseph was reconnected to his brothers. He could forgive his brothers because God had used him for a higher purpose that everything that he had suffered was for a destiny. It was for a purpose. It was for a reason to give glory to God and rip Satan off from all the anguish that he had caused in Joseph's life. Iron entered Joseph's soul. Joseph's soul was made exceedingly sorrowful unto death, and he was a type of Jesus. Didn't Jesus' soul enter iron when he suffered, when he shouldn't have suffered? Wasn't Mary, here's a nice prophetic word, your, your, your soul will be pierced with many sorrows. As she contemplated the unfolding of her precious son being rejected and going to the cross. Can you imagine, you moms, some of you have experienced losses, lost children, the pain in your heart of seeing your son What's the reason? Why did I go through all this pain to bear Jesus? Why was he so powerful? And now, and now he's going to the cross. Again, our limited ways of understanding, our circumstances, our situation. Even as Christian, God, why are you doing it this way? You're God. You could ease the pain. But it seems like in this life, God uses pain for a greater purpose. There's a redemptive purpose in the pain we go through. God's working on us so that our will can be so free to serve God our will could be so free to forgive those who don't deserve forgiveness that the love of God might flow through our hearts and we might give people a reason to turn to Jesus and repent of their own sins. And those who, who have done us harm might start suffering along with us, having to let God love them and forgive like we're learning to. I tell you, you want to punish your, your person who's hurting you? Pray that they get saved. Definition is strong uh, about, about pierce. An iron implement, a head, an axe to pierce. I tell you, 
when God allows circumstances to pierce us, it's for our good. And I know it's easy for me to say that because I know some of your stories and I know you've gone through a lot more than me. But each of us has our own cross and each of us knows what we face and what is hard for us. We all know what puts iron in our soul. You might think like, man, all you did was, most of, most of your life was be a janitor. That was piercing your soul. It did a good job. I think, um, you know, the things that face us to discourage our soul, it could be finances, it could be sexual immorality and temptation, it could be the desire for money and power. But I see another attack on our soul, hopelessness. That as Christians, we would be hopeless. That somehow we would be stuck in what we're going through in this iron-making process and not seeing Jesus, not tapping into that he is with us every day, and not pressing through to get out of this test, to get out of this season, so we might use whatever he's doing in us. And we'll only know till we press through to the end, till we go through the whole way. Israel was in Egypt for 40 years. I'm thinking they didn't think they would ever get out of there. Imagine this next generation that God was going to move into the wilderness. All they knew was their dad's Again, those country songs being sung about what they'd gone through, the songs of of Egypt, the songs of where they came out of. And I don't think they had any hope that God was going to move them into a promised land. But God was taking that generation in, just like I feel like he's taking us individually and as a church into a new place, into a new inheritance. I love what Shelly shared on uh, Thrive Night. You need to, need to ask her because she's been in, experiencing some inheritance. Number seven, Peter sifted. Again, I'm throwing this at you again. Luke twenty two thirty one. Again, remember Peter has been following Jesus for a long time. Lord, Lord Jesus said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Again, sifting is about a separation. God is trying to remove something from our lives. Sometimes he's just trying to kill our our independent will. Again, the world, we face the world, the flesh, and the devil. Since Adam and Eve sinned and, and Satan got control of the world, the world is going in its own way. Satan is using demonic powers to influence kingdom and governments and destroy and hurt lives and destroy the image of God and people and cause people to hate God. And then our own flesh that we deal with, all our desires, and then all the desires that have gone into hopelessness. All these things are working against us. They're working against our faith and our confidence in Jesus Christ. They're working against us getting up and spending time praying, calling out to God, asking for wisdom, asking for breakthroughs, praying for people around us, praying for our families. He uses the brokenness of our past, the brokenness of our families, again, to make us feel hopeless and to give up and not to fight. We've got to fight spiritually. We've got to fight for ourselves. Put your own mask on first. Fight for yourself. And then a little bit more strength comes on you, and then you begin to fight for other people. And then more strength comes on you because it's spiritual strength, 
And the more you feed yourself on God, the more you feed yourself in prayer, the more you feed yourself in the Word of God, the more you try to come every time we get together, there's something going into you. That's how I survived the iron in my soul was the time I spent in the house of God, the time I spent and the time I walked out and said, why am I doing this? Why do I come to every service? Why do I go to prayer services? Why am I doing this? My soul had those times of crying out, why am I doing this? But I tell you, it doesn't take long and giving your soul its ability to gripe and complain where you realize this is not good. I need this spiritual stuff. I need to contend. I need my spiritual relationship with God. I need to war and pray and fight. And it just doesn't take much, and then you're on fire again. You're lit. And you know there's a greater purpose. Amos 9 9. Amos is prophesying away under God's anointing. For surely I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations, as grain is sifted in a sieve. Yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. I think God is sifting the church. He said the judgment was going to begin with the house of God. And so until we're on fire, until the church is on fire and she's shining bright and she's out there doing her thing, she's going to get sifted. God's trying to separate us, separate us in our attitudes, realign our priorities because people are dying. I was praying... God, you know, I, and I love Mark Matukas. I really get what Mark Matukas, if you've been around Mark Matukas probably the last four or five years, this time of year he's praying for the safety of the high schoolers and their driving. And I said, Mark, Mark, I get it, Mark. I get it why every year you're praying this way. All these people that I'm seeing, I'm thinking, how many people are going to die this next year? And those who are going to die, do they know Jesus? How many of our young people are vulnerable in their ignorance of their youth, they're vulnerable. This life will kill you if you don't have your head on, if you're not aware of the things that are going on around you. We live in a deadly society. Here's a footnote on Amos's talk about sifting. Sift means to shake. God will shake Israel as a sieve is shaken. In a large mesh screen... The impurities, such as chaff and pebbles, are separated from the grain which falls through to the ground. The sifting by God will not allow the smallest grain or pebble to fall through unless undesirable will be removed. Again, the things that we're going through, they're not going to crush you. Although sometimes we're going through things and we feel like, ah, I'm dying. He's breaking the shell off of our heart. He's breaking the sins and, and those things that will keep us from getting all that God has for us, inheriting everything that he has for us. God is doing such a great work. The seed of who you are in Christ and what God wants to do and how he wants to use you, that's what's going to be left after the sifting. God's teaching the ways of the farmer. Here's Isaiah 28, 27 through 28. For the black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is it cartwheeled rolled over the cumin. But the black cumin is beaten out with a stick and the cumin with a rod. Bread flour must be ground. Therefore, he does not thresh it 
forever. He does not break it with his cartwheel or crush it with his horsemen. God treats each one of us in the degree that we can handle in our sifting. Sometimes we look at other Christians and we think, man, that's going to happen to me? No. God's going to, God sees you. God is individual. He, ha- he has your heart in his hands and he knows. He knows you. But I tell you, some of you have been sifted in heavier ways. There must be such rich fruitfulness for you because of the pain you've gone through, because of the things that you've endured, losses, death, rejection, betrayal. You're a incredible grain, incredible person that God values and God has incredible gifts that he's going to use and bring up despite what the world and circumstances have tried to do. Paul encourages us to en- encourages our endurance in 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. He wants us to endure through our hard times. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. It goes back again, you guys, we've all been drafted. However we are enticed, we've been drafted. He wants to send us into the heat of the battle when we may want a softer duty. Ever felt like you're hedged in by God? Sometimes as Christian, he is shaping you. I remember before, the last four years before it was evident we were supposed to come out and start this church, I remember being hedged in, being so frustrated at work, so frustrated in my spiritual life, what what God was doing, so frustrated in my ministry, even having ministries cut off. The last two years before we came, even ministries died off, cut off. And I lived in such frustration, not knowing what God was doing. I felt hedged in. This is uh, Job 3, 3. You're going to have to look these up or let me read them to you. Job 3, uh, Job is kind of feeling sorry for himself. And I don't know, none of you ever do that. It might say his soul was really entering into the iron. He was being sifted and tested. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit said, go ahead, Satan, do whatever you want. He believes in me. Maybe that's how, whatever you're going through, God is saying, I believe in them. You might feel like, I don't think God's with me anymore. <laughs> I believe in that one. I got faith in that one. Watch, I'm stepping back. Go do what you want. Joe 3.20, why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter of soul? Oh, man. Joe's going through it. Verse 23, Why is light given to man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in, shut up, fenced in? Joe 3, 24-26, My groanings pour out like water, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease. No, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. It's interesting that the end of Job, Job 42, 12, try to read it this week. At the end of all this, Job had more and was blessed more than he was even before he went into his trial. Maybe you need that just as a hope to get you through 
whatever season you're in. In Lamentations 3, 7 through 9, Jeremiah cries out under Judah's discipline. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy, even when I cry and shout. He shuts out my prayer, and he has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my path crooked. That's why I feel about you guys. Knowing you go through things, I'm agonizing along with you. God put this responsibility to be your pastor, so I feel it. Sometimes I, I'm overwhelmed by the things that come on, can come in in one day. But I feel for you. But I know God's going to take you through. I know you're going to have overcoming victories. I know you're going to have great faith. I know you're going to do great things for God. I know you have great gifts and great potential. And you have a great inheritance. You know, Judah learned under Jeremiah that blessing was not given if they rebelled. God shuts people in to discipline them and he wants to change them. He wants to restore and be merciful to them, but only when they get it right, when they repent. I feel like that's where our society is. It's up to us to repent. It's up to us to search our heart and come out of those things that are compromising, those things that are sin, those things that separate us from God, and those things that separate us from having fruit in our lives and operating in the Spirit. When we do that, when we ask for forgiveness, when we face those things and confess them, that's when God begins to take back the ground of our life, and that's when we become a real threat to the enemy, and that's when God can use us. I'd like to talk to Elijah. I want to go two more minutes. E, you guys can come up at 10 too. Elijah the prophet. You read 1 Kings 17 and 18 and 19. He's a prophet sent by God. He gives one widow and her son uh, food. He stretches the oil and her meal and her thing, and they go through this whole famine time on the continual blessing of God through that oil and that, that meal. He raises that, that widow's son from the dead. He stops it for raining for three and a half years. He calls down fire and destroys the prophets of Baal. And after that, Jezebel's after him, and he wants to quit. Elijah's name means God of Jehovah. That's who we are. The Lord Jesus Christ, his name is on us. We have the name of God on our lips, and we can proclaim it everywhere we go. Jehovah. I mean, what a name. We have the name of Jesus Christ on us. E-L, name of strength, mighty, strong power. That's us through the Holy Spirit. Through relying on and activating the Holy Spirit in our lives and not being distracted by everything the world has to offer, we gain and begin to understand our authority as Christians and believers, and we can begin to exercise that authority. We begin to stop things in our home, begin to stop things by prayer, begin to stop things by standing up when, whenever we can. God calls Elijah to replace Elijah. 1 Kings 19.16 God says to Elijah, You shall anoint Elisha, the son of Japhat, of Abel, Meholah. You shall anoint as prophet in your place. The mantle 
that represents the call of God, the beginning of an anointing, the starting of ministry. 1 Kings 19, 19-21. So Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, whose plowing was being done with the twelve yoke of oxen. And he drove the twelve... Elijah crossed over to him and cast his mantle upon him. The mantle represents the authority and the anointing of God. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he tested Elisha, and he said, Go on back. What have I done to you? Settle it for yourself. So Elisha went back from him. Then he took a yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the oxen's yoke as fuel, and gave to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and served him. That little cloak that Elijah carried that kept him from the rain and something he wrapped himself at night was a representation of the anointing and the mantle of God. When we accept Jesus Christ, a powerful anointing comes into our life, a powerful potential for us to walk in the ways of God and walk in all the power of God and to use all the gifts that are for us. That cloak came over him, but it was the anointing and the will of God that moved on Elisha for him to step up into that double portion ministry. I tell you, there's an anointing that you receive when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. But I tell you, you have to keep activating that anointing. You have to keep pressing into that anointing because the enemy is going to rob that anointing if he can. And if the enemy is not going to do it, the world will rob it. Philosophy will rob it. Your friends will rob it. Um, What is acceptable will rob it. What is easy and convenient will rob it. What is comfortable will rob it. I tell you, God has an anointing for you. In fact, it's almost like laying there in, the, in your spirit, in your heart, and it's in neutral. Some of you have gone through tests and trials, and even if you analyze your spiritual life, it seems like you've stepped back. You're not going to stay back. You are not going to stay back. I tell you, God is going to move you ahead into your promised land. He's going to hedge you in, and whatever is ripping you off, whatever's got you in neutral, whatever's discouraged you, it's going to actually make you more discouraged of where you're at, and you're going to begin to rise up, and you're going to begin to face God. You're going to begin to cry out. You're going to begin to ask for that anointing to come again and to renew and refresh you and to strengthen you. Will you stand with me? Maybe you're here today, and you feel like you're in this place where you're hedged in. Let people come and pray for you. That's what this body is all about. It's the work of the Holy Spirit through people who are just simply committed to praying and they're going to lay hands, they'll pray with you and the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you. Lord, we just come to you right now and we thank you, Father, that you are putting iron in our soul. We thank you that you are moving out of us out of hopelessness and everything that the enemy is trying to limit us in. You're moving us out of every addiction, every sin, every compromise that would keep us from knowing who you are and experiencing our inheritance. We speak against Satan and all our distraction. We tell you to be gone in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to rebuke them. We ask you, Lord, to help us to see you above our circumstances, even if we're intimidated at time and at moments with fear and worry and anxiety about the future. But we are trusting you that you're going to teach us how to roll off our cares on you, that every trial we go through is going to help us be more freer for the next trial and and better equipped and able to, to live in a place of joy and faith and watch you do a work. Lord, we're asking that you would do a deep work in all of us that we might use our gifts, talents, and abilities and that we might live this life out in joy. 
God, I ask that you would just keep working on each person, Lord. Whoever needs prayer, let them come and get prayer. God, as we go today, let us go in faith and let us see you like we've never seen you before. 